Welcome to Counterbalance Conversations, the show that engages your imagination with discussions about emerging topics and stories of healing, change-making, resilience, and passion. Here is your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Hi, and welcome to Counterbalance Conversations. I'm your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strasser, and I wanted to welcome everyone back to the show who has been listening uh, for the last 26 weeks, can you believe it's been that long? And um, if you're new here, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. This will be the last um, last show on Voice America Radio. If you would like to find where we will be moving, where we will be resuming the show in February, please go to my website at counterbalancecoach.com or go to at Counterbalance Coach, Coach on Instagram or on Facebook. And I will be announcing the new platform, the new format, and everything um, at that time. We also will continue to have uh, these episodes available through Spotify as well as the other platforms that you can find um, podcasts. So today I'm really excited that we have our have. Liani Kutcher with us. Uh, she's a trial attorney turned award-winning young adult author and book blogger who writes under the pen name of Rectoc Ross. An avid reader since childhood, Liani writes exactly the kind of books that she loves to escape into herself. Exciting thrillers with strong female leads, swoon-worthy love interests, and life-changing moments. She graduated from the University of Florida School of Journalism and obtained her Juris Doctorate at the University of Miami School of Law. Originally from South Florida, she currently splits her time between San Francisco and Los Angeles with her husband, stepkids, and her dogs. You can find her online just about anywhere at Rectoc Ross, R-E-K-T-O-K-R-O-S-S, as well as her website, RectocRoss.com, where she blogs about books and writing. Welcome to the show, Liani. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you on because you have such a breadth of different topics that we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about your transition, your career transition from being an attorney to an award-winning author and blogger and all-around creative. So I can't wait to hear about that story. And I know my audience is going to love your journey. So with that, tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. Yeah, no, there's, I feel like there's a lot of different topics we can definitely touch on today, especially for the creatives listening in. Um, Yeah. So I, you know, I'm, I guess, middle-aged now is such a crazy thing to say. So it's been, there's, if we talk about journey, there's like a lot of years we can talk about, but boil it down, you know, just to like the essence of the journey. I am a Florida girl that you hit on, born and raised in South Florida. Um, I, you know, I was kind of first generation of um, women, you know, born in the 1980s where, you know, no longer were you relegated as a woman to just being a school teacher or a nurse. My mother was a school teacher. Um, yeah. We were kind of like the first generation of women where um, 
you could go out and you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer. And, you know, there was like all this excitement around that. And I remember kind of, you know, my family as well kind of pushed me into the legal direction because I've, I've always been bad at math. So <laughs> doctor, doctor was never on the horizon, but I have always loved to write. I grew up kind of like a theater kid. So I've always liked performance as well, storytelling. And um, I really did love writing even at a young age. And so my family was kind of like, look, this would be a job that would incorporate your theatrical skills, you know, as a trial attorney, but also your love of storytelling and writing because there's so much writing in the law, uh, especially as a litigator. And yes. so I remember I went to University of Florida, go Gators for anyone listening. Right. And I have some Gator fans. I have some Gator fans. Studied journalism because it seems like very complimentary towards what I was going to ultimately do in the law. Went to law school. Um, I knew pretty quickly that I wanted to do civil litigation and not criminal law. Um, after we did a couple of like mock trials and I realized right. I really, really, really like to win um, which can be a little bit problematic if you're a criminal lawyer and you find out that your client is guilty because like who wants to lose? Mm-hmm. And I just knew I was like, I don't ethically and morally, like I, I knew that I would be uncomfortable representing, um, clients that I knew were guilty, you know, either mm-hmm. from my own deductive skills in working with them or, you know, if that's the way the evidence played out. And I knew I, I don't like to lose. So I figured right. civil law would be a good path because it's companies fighting other companies. There's not, you know, if someone loses, it's a company. It's not necessarily, you know, the poor little guy or um, it's not, you know, the stakes aren't as high, I think, at least morally and ethically as some criminal cases can be. So that was kind of an easy, for me, an easy decision that I learned pretty quickly in law school. I was going to do the civil like the less, I think, emotionally <laughs> messy <laughs> form of law. And I really, you know, I'm so grateful. I had an amazing experience. I was at a top tier law firm. I, you know, came from a family where mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of money and I wound up going to an incredibly prestigious, um, very well-paying job where I was able to enjoy all these things, you know, I never did as a kid. Like we, you know, I think I was on like three flights growing up as a kid, yeah. certainly never I never, like, I didn't know what first class was or, you know, never stayed in a super nice hotel. And through my law firm was able to experience all these, like, wonderful things, that entire lifestyle, the traveling. I never really traveled. And I got to go to all these really interesting, exciting places through the firm. So, all you know, really incredible experience as a lawyer. Had so many great people that I met, so many wonderful opportunities. My colleagues, incredibly supportive, some of the most intelligent people at the forefront of the law, it really was a wonderful part of my life. But I always knew deep down, you know, that little, that bug, that love of writing and creativity and storytelling always kept coming back to me. Um, And I knew, uh, I knew probably like I'd say in my late 20s that I really, as much as I enjoyed being a lawyer and as well as that path was going for me career-wise, it wasn't really my heart, like where my heart was at and where I, I feel like my real purpose is yeah. on this planet. I know it's to be a storyteller. And so I slowly went through the transition process of like, how do you go from you've spent your entire life, you know, getting yeah. to a point in your 
you know, professional career, how do you leave all that behind to do right. something that is very risky? Um, you know, being an artist is probably one of the riskiest careers other yeah. than an athlete. I mean, I guess they're probably equal. Um, how do you go from something where you've put so much time, energy and resources and you've achieved a level of success to then going to something completely different um, right. where it's a lot riskier? both, you know, financially and also just as far as objectively, you know, whether or not people are going to appreciate your art. So that's that. I mean, then there's a lot that's happened since then, since making the leap. That's pretty much the the career trajectory. So you have just, you kind of just pulled the plug. It wasn't uh, like I just pulled the plug uh, in June. I kind of said, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go do this now. And um, yes, I've had a business. I've made a little bit of that transition. I think you made a little bit of a smoother, easier transition. I kind of, I didn't burn bridges, but I kind of said, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going now over here. I think you had a lit, that was, you shared with me, that was a little challenging for you, uh, which is why you write under your pen name. Yes. I had um, <laughs> I had a very slow, a slow pulling of the plug. Um, right. For me, it was over the course of uh, at least a year. I think longer than that. It, it was it was very gradual. I am not, um, which you could probably guess as a litigator, I'm not a risk taker. Like I yeah. assess risk. I do things very slowly, very methodically, very carefully. And so for me, it was a pretty slow transition yeah. from the time that I think I, when I originally realized, okay, I really like, there's something in my soul that's like, I need to be writing. I didn't yeah. just like quit my law job and start writing. I actually first got permission. Um, I spoke to the powers that be at my firm who were incredibly supportive and they up to, I mean, they still to this day are just a huge supporter of mine, but, and they basically said like, you know, your number one priority, obviously we hired you as a lawyer, not as a writer. So your number one priority is the job. So if there's any conflicts, you know, job comes first, clearly. But right. they basically um, gave me the go ahead to, if I wanted to write in my own free time to do it, but it had to be under a pen name because it couldn't, you know, our clients were very high profile, um, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. There couldn't be a foreseen conflict between you know, I'm on a case and my book's coming out or, you know, I'm posting something on social media when I'm supposed to be at trial. And so kind of the deal was it couldn't interfere, which it never would. I mean, I'm like a very hard worker. And so I I wouldn't let that happen anyway, but not only could it not happen in reality, but it also couldn't be perceived to be happening. Right. So, you know, we came up with, I came up with a pen name. I, you know, I was on social media, even while I was still at my firm, but it was very like, no one knew who I was. I mean, if I posted pictures about books I was reading um, or, you know, something, you know, my works in progress, it was, I never showed my face. I didn't use my real name. It was this Rec Talk Ross pen name. um, And it was like pictures of my hand holding the book or like, the back of my head and it's so funny because and we can talk about social media because I think yeah. it is so huge for creatives today but I kind of got my start as um doing on the side like book blogging and bookstagram and connected with a lot of readers well before ski weekend which is um the book that just came out in October my debut young yeah. adult thriller well before ski weekend came out I was on Instagram connecting with um you know other book lovers who would eventually become 
you know, my customers. Um, and it's funny because a lot of them to this day have been following me for years and years. And they all laugh about, you know, Leonie, I remember when we didn't know your name and we didn't know what you looked like. And we used to just see all your pictures <laughs> with like your right. hands um, or, you know, the back of your head or, you know, your dog holding a book. Like, it's so yeah. funny to like see the journey you've been on. And now you're, you know, you say your name and we all know who you are. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was, it was really slow. They originally said I could, I could do it under a pen name. I took classes. I spent years like actually honing in on the skill set for creative writing. Um, I did like two years at Southern Methodist University, SMU in Dallas. I was working at Dallas at the time. So I would, you know, I'd be at the office at, you know, 830 or whatever and go straight through and I would leave for like two hours and drive over to SMU and take like their, you know, night class for two hours and then come back to the office. Um, And then eventually, you know, I put out, I self-published a book way back in like 2010, um, very personal, uh, young adult romance, very personal story to me. Um, And I, that's when I really knew I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to do this full time, but I don't know how to make the switch. And I struggled really hard with it. And um, at the time, uh, I was dating who is now my husband, um, my boyfriend at the time, and his ex-wife was actually a really amazing female entrepreneur. And she was transitioning from the, you know, the tax and tax was my husband from the tech world to coaching. And we were yeah. talking about, and I was like, I really want to be, you know, I really want to leave law. I want to write full time. I have a lot of fear. I'm not really sure how to do this. How do I give up my identity? How do I plan financially? And she said, I'm also making a pivot. Why don't, why don't we work together? And you can be one of my first coaching clients because this is what I want to do. I want to work with women who are trying to transition and help them get through all of the fear and all, you know, the issues, all the right. deep-seated issues with transitioning. And so it worked out perfectly. And so we took a couple of months, I think it was like four to five months working together. And we can right. talk about that too, like the things that she taught me and, you know, yeah. all of the exercises and all the hard work we did on transitions. And then that's when I finally told my firm, okay, I think, I think I'm probably something's, you know, um, I think I'm, not going to want to do this forever. And I went on to right. flex plan, which is you, uh, instead of, you know, 24, seven, seven days a week or whatever, you are, um, moved to an hourly. So I did that for about right. a year where I was hourly. There's some other stuff that happened. Yeah. There. I got injury too. And that kind of wow. threw everything through the loop for like a year and a half, but that's, that's kind of the gist. And yeah, for me, it was a very slow burn. Um, yeah. I kind of planned it all out and we went through, you know, goals and you know finances and unpacking fears related to being a creative because there's I mean it's such an amazingly different career path than um being in corporate America and that's a lot I mean a lot of people who are creatives have that that's why they're kind of closet creatives so to speak or they're creatives at home or they're you know they don't publish their book or or they're they don't put their art out there because there is a lot of fear around it and there's still so sometimes much. sometimes there's a lot of stigma around becoming an artist even though it's old stigma I don't think it's valid any longer 
But I think there's a lot of it ingrained in our, you know, in some of our psyches that say that's not a career path. That's something different. Um, But I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I think it's great that you took this, that time to work through those fears. And now you have this great book, Ski Weekend, that was released in October And that was why it took us so long to kind of get you kind of on the show. So I was really glad that you were able to uh, come on the last show because you were one of the Fab Fives. So you had a group of individuals uh, that you worked with um, during publishing through this. Is that correct? That is correct. And I just, there is one thing you just said, though, that really resonates with me when you were talking about, um, I think society's acceptance of creatives, I think especially women, um, it's really interesting how when you make a switch from, you know, an established career path that everyone respects, like Lauren, I know you were in like corporate America as well, to doing something totally different, like having a radio show or a podcast or writing books, things that are more on the creative side. Um, and I've seen this happen to so many people, including myself, there is exactly like what you said. There's so much judgment, I think, in society, and it comes in so many different ways. I think that um, being a creative is not seen as well-respected unless mm-hmm. you are like the one in a bazillion, um, which I'm still holding out for, you know, holding out for. You are going to be but, the one in like, a bazillion. If you're, I mean, if you're <laughs> Stephen King, <laughs> no one's saying anything about Stephen King now, but they sure as heck were stuff about him when he first came out and it's like every creative has this battle of fire you have to go through where I mean I've had people in my life like that I know have talked about me behind my back you Mm -hmm. know joked about it like you know how does she leave this career now she's what a writer she's taking pictures on Instagram of books like they don't respect it and I think that's a lot of the work I did um, with Hillary coaching through really trying to not that I've always been a confident person, but I've never had uh, the experience of putting myself out there in such a very vulnerable way. It's different when you get great grades in school and the high yeah. test score and, you know, you have the job and it's like, there's no, if I were to lose a case or win a case at my firm, there's no backlash on that. Everyone mm-hmm. knows that, you know, that's the judge or whatever. Then no one's talking about that on Goodreads or, you know, I'm not getting a right. review to the public and no one's tweeting about it. It's very different. Um, so you're dealing on multiple levels with number one, I think for better or for worse. And I've learned that I don't care, but you do lose, you know, that respect or that, um, identity that other, you know, people put on you, whether that Mm -hmm. matters or not, it is something that happens and you have to learn to deal with that. And then you also have all the judgment of like, you're now out there and it's your, you know, stories are your heart. I mean, when I read a legal brief, I worked really hard on that, but I didn't take it personal if someone like tore it up with a red pen or whatever, but books are completely different. Like that's your heart and soul. And when you, you know, read a bad review or, you know, someone goes on a Twitter rant for whatever reason, it's hard. Like you have to learn how to not take that to heart. Um, And I think all of that is just like this skill set that I never learned as a lawyer because you just didn't have to. It wasn't part of the practice of law. But as a creative, you sure as heck have to yeah. learn really how to protect um, protect your heart and like have a tough 
outer shell and yeah. you have to learn how to have that confidence that like not everyone's gonna love you I just I just saw a quote it was so funny it was like I think it said something about peaches I, I've been like scouring <laughs> I'm rebranding my Instagram so I'm like I'm looking at everyone I'm like I'm looking for inspiration on my rebrand I saw this quote it was so funny it was like um you could be the best peach in the world you could be the prettiest peach and the most perfect condition peach and the tastiest peach but someone out there is going to hate peaches and they're going to hate you I was like yes it's that, true that's what it is being a creative you don't I never dealt with that as a lawyer but as a creative person I could literally I mean I worked 10 years on this book and there are one stars out there you know that yeah like how it's like I know it's a really good book I don't know how you know but yeah just someone doesn't like they don't like teen, like they don't like teen stories and they picked it up and they thought it was something else and it's not. And so, you know, it's a one star and it's like, you have to separate yourself from that, that it's not a reflection on you or your worth as a person or even your worth as an artist. That's like yeah. someone's opinion. And so I think that was like very, as far as we talk about like life journeys yeah. and transitions and stuff, I think that has been a really interesting part of the journey is really understanding, you know, ego, confidence, um, passion, drive, all of that, and yeah. being able to separate that as a creative because you don't, I, I don't think that that is a true experience in corporate America, at least not on the same level. Um, no, no, I, I, when I was in corporate America, I was very confident to, yeah. uh, to a certain level, to my skill sets. I mean, I was in training, I was in org, org development. So I was in training for 25 years. I was mm-hmm. in org development for uh, about five years. I had just finished my doctorate in 2019 um, in performance improvement and um, in education. And, you know, I, I come in, in, in June and or May and say, I, I'm making this transition. What are you going to do? I'm going to hang out on the beach for a summer and figure out who I am now because I have all this input and I knew I wasn't happy with where my life was and what my, what was happening in my life. And I was like, I'm going to go over here and do this thing. I'm going to go sit on the beach literally until from June until September, like you did as a, I gave myself like the high school summer. So June to September. And then so after Labor Day, I will have a decision. I will know what I'm doing. And the radio show came up. So I did start that in July. And this was really fun, has been a fun experience. And I found that I love doing voiceover work. I love talking to authors and creatives and individuals on my show. And it's really helped me work through a lot of my shadow artist side. That's like to the point where I just... Uh, booked my first ghostwriting client today. And oh, that's so, so it was cool. Really Congratulations. Awesome. Thanks. And so I realized that I have all these goals that I've had for many, many years, but they don't fit who I am now. Mm-hmm. So I had to really sit down over the last six months and think about what really fits me, what suits me now. And I couldn't do that in a work environment. It didn't matter what work environment it was. I needed the time to really think about where I wanted to go. And you're absolutely right about the whole creative, you know, you have to think people are just not going to like you. 
sometimes. <laughs> they're just not going to. So, they're either so going to love you or they're mediocre um, or or they're not going to like you. And there are also going to be people who don't approve of what you're doing. And that's a tough one, too, because I had a lot of people that sent me job descriptions and job postings and said, here's a job here. I think you'd be happy working for this company. Um, and I had the conversations with my dad that were like, so you're not working, <laughs> you know, the questioning, but trying to be supportive. Um, so I had a lot of the same conversations that you're talking about. Um, but I've making that transition into doing something creative, which is the coaching. I do things spiritually creative going into my Reiki practice and the spiritual practices that I do and making that a true business and doing the consulting on the side versus the consulting being the primary, Mm -hmm. you know, it becomes like the feeder. So now it's, I'm doing things that are writing. I love writing. I was like you. I've been a writer my whole life. So right. I've, I'm doing communications for organizations. I'm doing some ghostwriting and working on the four books that I have in my, uh, in my OneDrive that have been there for years. So I absolutely understand what you're saying. Those transitions are very challenging. And you're much further ahead. And I think I say that's uh, probably from your planning and your coaching. I just kind of say, okay, I'm pulling the plug. I'm going. And um, because I think if I waited too long, I would not be brave enough to do it. So I had to do it when I'd kind of strike when the iron was hot um, on mine. Uh, So I think yours is a much better way of doing it. Mine was uh, wrought with challenges, you know, until now. And I'm like, holy cow, <laughs> oh, what I do? A lot of, oh, my gosh, what I do? Every time somebody would ask me. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I feel like it's so funny. I have, um, I hear like when you talk about your father, I hear like my father and also my husband's uh-huh. voice in my head because I get, <laughs> I get the same thing like when I was a lawyer. It was very clear that we were, everything was on equal footing. Like if I had to be in court and he had to be in the office and something had to be done, it was like, we'd have to figure it out. But now that I work from home as a creative and he still, you know, has the office job or whatever, if something has to be done, no matter what I'm doing, like I have to figure out how it gets done. So I think like there's all the family dynamics as well of being a creative that are very interesting. Whether it's, you know, I get it from my dad too. How's the book going? How are you selling any books? Have you thought about going back to what? Like, so I get all (laughs) the same. It's like this whole funny dynamic being creative and dealing with family as well and juggling time and all that. We didn't, you did not, I did not experience that at all. Right. Right. It was, and, you know, I mean, I didn't, I, I don't know that I could, um, go to, I, I don't know that I could go back and work in corporate at the right now. So it looks like we have come up to our break time. So I, um, so we're going to go to break and then we come back. I want to talk about um, maybe a few intellectual property tips, maybe um, how you, 
you know, how you're managing family and your new creative career. And then um, we'll see where the, the conversation takes us. Sounds good. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Counterbalance Conversations with Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Find out more about Dr. Melissa by visiting counterbalancecoach.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to Counterbalance Conversations. I am here with Liani Kutcher, and she is the author of Ski Weekend, and she has transitioned from being an attorney to an author, and we were talking before the break about her transition and how it's challenging going from maybe a corporate or a more um, structured career to something that is a um, more creative and becoming a creative. And both of us have experienced that in one form or another. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about how are you balancing family with this new career, you mentioned that, you know, now that you are uh, working from home, that's a little, a little challenging sometimes for you. Yeah. So we were just talking before the break about um, it is. So it's challenging in many different ways. I think one of the biggest challenges is really trying to manage uh, everyone's new expectations of you. Because right. when you are in corporate America, everything is very structured people understand and they respect the structure. Um, you know, I, if I went into the office and something were to happen at home, like an emergency, my husband and I um, would, you know, there would be like a healthy discussion over who yeah. needed to handle the emergency 
based on what each one of us had going on in the office. But now that I no longer work at a big corporate job, now that I work from home and my hours are much more creative and flexible, it's like there's the automatic, you know, expectation that if something happens that I'm the one that should deal with it. And it is fair in a lot of respects because he, you know, has less flexibility. It doesn't make sense. But sometimes there are things that I am doing that actually are important and are yeah. just so easy to swap out. You know, like, it's just funny, like, the, 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 the system of priorities is very different. Like, I may have a radio interview or, you know, an Instagram live or um, a Facebook live that's actually incredibly important that lots of people are on and has been booked for months, but it doesn't have, like, the same panache. Right. I'm in, I'm in court, you know, like right. I, if I'm in court, everyone's like, Oh, she's in court. You know, we can't, we can't bother her. Like someone right. else has to figure out, you know, who's taking the dog to the vet or whatever. But if I'm like, I have an IG live, no one really like, they don't feel like, well, so what? Like, yeah. So I think that is what? another thing too, is social media. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of these things are as important as if you're presenting. They at are. A conference. They absolutely are. Because this is, especially with the new normal, this is what everyone is looking at. You're influencing so many people through the, through Instagram live, through Facebook live. Uh, I don't know if you do TikTok, but you know, there's uh, TikTok, there's YouTube interviews, all the things. And this is what a lot of people are using, some of them to make decisions on whether they want to transition into a new career, it, you know, learning about it's how you're marketing your book. It's how you're marketing yourself as an author. And so it is mm-hmm. just as important as if you were going on and probably more important than if you were going on the local news station. But 10 years yes. ago, the local news station would have been more important. You're absolutely right. And you get it because it's hard. It's difficult. We're both doing the same thing. We're on the entrepreneurship. So, um, but family, it's like, it's much harder to explain that to them and for them to get it. And then the other thing I've also noticed, like, no matter how many times I say it, no one seems to respect it. If I'm like, okay, today I'm writing, today's my writing day. And I'm Mm -hmm. like mid in the middle of you know, my chapter and, you know, I get a knock on the door, someone's calling, they're like, hey, we're going to go to lunch, like, let's go to lunch, or hey, um, really need you to go right now to the store and grab so-and-so, and I'm like, I'm, I'm writing, well, so what, like, you could take a break, can't you, because they don't understand how the creative process works, and it's like, when you're in, fl- it's called flow, right, when you're yeah. in the middle of flow, and you're, like, literally, yeah, putting stuff on paper and you're in that zone, you can't just break the zone and then go, you know, have a conversation for 15 minutes downstairs. That's yeah. going to mess up your whole flow. And then you're going to be, you know, out and not just 15 minutes, but it's like now you're an hour behind because you lost that whole momentum of what you were doing in the writing. Mm-hmm. But no one gets that, especially if there's not a hard deadline. Like if it's not, do you know what? I'd write a legal brief at work. There'd be a hard deadline. I, you know, I'd have a TRO, a temporary restraining order. And the brief would be due, you know, the next day at 10 a.m. So, of course, if someone comes in, you're like, no, I have a brief due tomorrow. Everyone gets that and they leave you alone. But like with my writing, they're more soft. A lot of them are much softer deadlines. Like, oh, I have to turn into my editor in six weeks. 
And like, I get it. Like, I yeah. know what that means. And I appreciate that that actually means I have to write every single day for a certain amount of hours. But if you tell like a family, you know, my stepdaughter or my step, they're not, they don't yeah. get that. They're like, well, it's not due for six weeks. Like, you can obviously go with me. I need someone to take me to Sephora. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, they just, right. it's just a different, it's but a level somewhere. Of, always, yeah. Somewhere that time explained. has to come back. Yeah. You have to come yeah. back to it. So I absolutely understand that like Tuesdays or show day. Yeah. So I don't book clients. I don't do anything on Tuesday has become like Aaron day. Today was a complete exception. I know we were talking about that before the show today right. was just uh, talking to clients and responding to this and running errands and going here and going there. But Tuesdays for the, the time of the show, Tuesdays have been my, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not doing client work. I'm not meeting my clients because Tuesday night is show night and I couldn't be tired because I would have a guest that was coming on and they deserved my full attention. They deserved a prepared and energetic host coming on the show. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely, I, I get it. I get it. So but you, you same. just hit on, you just hit on. So two things. So in addition to the, you know, the family dynamic, obviously, and figuring that out, you just hit on two things that I think, um, are really interesting to talk about for people that are transitioning to a creative or an even even an entrepreneurial lifestyle as opposed to working um, in a very structured you know corporate job is um, uh, time blocking is a skill set that I learned and it sounds like from what you do that as well Try. and then content and then content batching which is really those two I think skill sets that mm -hmm. are I believe absolutely crucial as a um, entrepreneur or a creative as well, where you don't have the same structure. So when I was at my law firm, I didn't have to, um, I didn't have to uh, time batch or content batch or anything like that. I'd walk into the office and my day would tell me what my day was going to be. You know, like yes. if a client calls, that's what you're doing that you're talking to your client. And if, yeah. you know, there's a TRO or there's a hearing that week, well, there's no, you don't have to block your calendar. Like you have to have the brief ready by Friday. So right. everything that you're going to do Monday through Thursday is going to dictate that brief having to, you know, be ready Friday for Monday's hearing. So there's mm -hmm. no, you don't have to like plan your day. Like your day yeah. is going to plan itself the second you walk into the office. Being an entrepreneur or being a creative is completely different. It's like you have to take charge of yeah. your, your time blocking and figure out what, what each week is going to look like because every week's going to be different based on your goals and your projects for that week. And so one thing I learned um, through the coach I worked with, which I had never used the skill set at yeah. all in my legal career for, you know, 20 years or whatever, was how do you time block? And so, you know, the way she taught me was, you know, each week or each month, you lay out what are your goals for that week or that month? Like, what are mm -hmm. your, you know, absolute must-have goals that you need to accomplish? You know, are you writing... For me, like I'm, I'm working on my follow-up to Ski Weekend, the second book. So, you know, my goal for December was have my draft, you know, done by January 1st to turn into my editor. And so when you have your two or three like non-negotiable goals, you open up your calendar and you basically time block and you look and you see, you know, you write in each day, what are the things that I must do? Like, I've got to take the dog to the vet. I've got to, you know, um, you know, my stepdaughter is home from school. You know, she goes to college. My stepdaughter is home from college for the weekend. I'm you know, I'm going to hang out with her. So I got to block, you know, Saturday and Sunday off that week. So you go through and you, you know, write in what are your non-negotiables that you absolutely have to do that week, doctor appointments, whatever, 
maybe you're getting your nails done. I don't know. But yeah, whatever it happens that, to be. Whatever it happens to be that you've got to get done that week, you write that and you kind of, you know, read it out because that time is no longer available. And then you look at your goals. What do I have to do this week? I've got to, you know, write a hundred pages because I want to have this book done by the end of the month. And then you see what's left after you've done all your, you know, must do these things, red lines out, you fill in the rest of the week where you're going to write those 100 pages mm-hmm. and then you stick to it. Um, and for me, I learned really quickly. If I didn't do that, I would, I'm pretty good. Like I'm not a huge procrastinator, but something would fall through the cracks. Like I just yeah. wouldn't make all my goals that week. Cause I would forget that I had something to do on Friday and I was planning to write all day Friday and now I can't write. Um, so I think learning how to time batch is crucial for anyone listening that is, you know, thinking about making the switch and then content batching also was something that was like a, like an aha moment that I, yeah. we don't, you don't, you don't content batch as a lawyer. It's like not something that you do, but right. as a creative, so content batching is when you, um, like if there is, uh, something that you do in, in your, um, like as a content creator, if you take a lot of photos for your Instagram or you do a lot of video for your TikTok or like you um, have a lot of podcasts, it can be really time consuming to do those all one off. So when I first started on Instagram, I would take a photo each day. So every day I was like, you know, picking out an outfit, doing my hair and makeup, setting up my camera. So it's like it's taking an hour every day to take one silly photo. Um but when you content batch, what I do now is I pick one day a month. So like Saturday and I just do ever, I do all my photos for the month on Saturday. Yeah. So it saves you like an insane amount of time because you have all the shots set up, you have your hair and makeup, you just change your outfits. Um, yeah. And you know, in three hours, you now have the entire content for the week or for the month. And that's something that we, we never, I never did that as a lawyer. And I don't think people in corporate America really I don't know. Maybe there's jobs where you do it, but it's not like a known thing. But as a content creator, creative entrepreneur, um, content batching is huge. Uh, It's a really amazing skill set to learn how to do and do it right because it will save you so much time. It will. And I didn't know there was a name for it whenever I was in corporate America. Because it was (laughs) like the first two hours of the day was email and critical projects and then the rest of the day, it was whatever, and I, and I use it, it was whatever you were doing. So maybe it was you needed to follow up on all these emails or whatever, like Friday was follow-up day. So Friday was filled with um, all my follow-ups. And so now as a creator, this year, I was, so I've been working on the the shows you really couldn't content batch with a live show. So now that I'm moving this to more of a podcast type format, I'll be able to do two or three, maybe four shows in, you know, in a week. So then in that week, it's done first week of the month. And then, you know, the Instagram posts, I'm starting to do those to where they are branded the same and maybe they're... This is one post for this morning. This is one post for the afternoon. Here's one post for whatever. So if it's like a a nugget, a content nugget, it has the same background, the same everything. If it's a quote, it has the same background, the same everything. And then the things that vary are going to be what you're talking about, like the photos and things like that, which are going to take the most time to do. These other ones, I can have those and have them ready to 
automate and have them post onto social media. So if I miss the one of the other posts, I'm still getting that content. Yeah. The content is still going out. So, I mean, it's super important to do the batching and that is the time blocking is significant. I didn't learn to do that until uh, early last year. Not mm-hmm. well, not doing it well. I was doing it, but I was not doing it well. I was not following through on it. And so that's what I'm doing now. It's these days I do this and I have um, some clients that I do significant blocks of work for that I have right. to be available. So I've said, okay, here's the hours that I'm available, my office hours for you. So, um, yeah, so I think time blocking, creative blocking is super important. Yeah, I think, I, you know, where I really saw it kicking the most was during the launch. So my book ski weekend came out in October. Um, and there, it's really incredible. And people had warned me, but I don't think I fully appreciate until I was right in the mix. Um, how much time launching a book is, yeah. especially this was my first book that was, you know, a uh, traditional distribution. So, um, I, I love self-publishing too. Like the first book I ever did was self-pub. And I think there's so many cool things about um, self-pub and indie pub right now. And just the ability to really be super hands-on. Um, but it's really different because when you're self-publishing, for the most part, it it's more manageable as far as who your audience is because it's primarily Amazon. I mean, there mm-hmm. are, yes, you can get, you know, you can get your ebook on Barnes and Noble, and um, there are other bookstores that might take it electronically. You can do consignment. So there are some indie bookstores. Um, Barnes and Noble is incredible. They're really, I have so much respect for them as a company. They're really kind of rebranding themselves and becoming really supportive of Indian self-published authors. And so some local Barnes and Nobles will take a physical book um, self-published, but for the most part, it's a pretty well-defined ecosystem and it's primarily Amazon. So it's, it's easier to kind of wrap your head around it and what, you, and, you know, getting traditional media. So PR is much more difficult if it's a self-pub, which is, you know, a, maybe a negative in the long run, depending on what you're trying to do. But as far as a book launch, it does make it a lot easier because there's not, a, not as yeah. many people and places open to pitching. But with traditional distribution, it's like <laughs> literally there's sky is the limit and there's so yeah. much as far as, you know, yeah. pitching, pitching podcasts, pitching book editors, pitching, you know, doing IG lives and um, being on people's YouTubes and radio. And then you um, it really behooves you to reach out to all the bookstores as well. And so really for me, like the blocking and the, the batching is also with my social media. I really saw how important it was during a crunch time scenario. Yeah. Um, because there was literally, I even, I don't know if you use, one of my girlfriends showed me this program called Asana that also has been, it's an app. It's called Asana, A-S-A-N-A. Yeah. And it's been really incredible too. I, I never used it um, before. I was just using like my happy planner. But for my yeah. book launch, it was like, even that was too overwhelming to me because there was so much to do. And even having it on paper was like stressing me out. Putting it on um, this app made it so much easier because I could like physically move 
tasks yeah. around and fix the due dates because things are constantly moving and stuff. And so I think like, um, I really saw in real time, yeah. like in crunch time, how valuable, especially the time blocking was because I, there was so much that I didn't categorize it, like, okay, Monday, I'm going to work with the publicist and we're going to go over like pitches and I'm going to pitch 20, you know, um, media outlets, 20 book editor media outlets on Monday. But then Tuesday is going to be emailing Barnes and Nobles and emailing, you know, my local bookstore or into books and Kepler's and, you know, uh, Romans and book soup and making sure that they know the book's coming out. And Wednesday is going to be batching all my social media. And then Thursday is going to be planning all my pre-launch parties. So it's like, I had to have the batching for those three months or four months, or I literally would have, I think, missed so much, like missed out on so many deadlines and things that had to get done. So I just think a hundred percent, I'm a huge believer in, in the batching. Yeah. I uh, use Trello to do Trello. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. The cards. (laughs) Yes. They are my friends. Yes. They give you that hit of dopamine that you need. That's like, yes. yes, I moved it. I moved it to at least follow up. Trello is so good. So I used Trello too for, um, so for mm. ski weekend, we did all of these. It was so fun. We did all these really cool um, pre-launch campaigns yeah. where you would get uh, like certain goodies if you bought the book in advance. And I still have, I got to work on my, my store. I did like a lot of really cool. I love fashion. Like I've mm-hmm. always loved fashion. Um, as a side thing. And, um, we did a bunch of like t-shirts and mugs and just like really cool, fun stuff for the launch. And a lot of it was just given out to, you know, influencers or, you know, whatever on socials, but a lot of people who have like reading the book and loving it. And, you know, they want like, how do I get the t-shirt? How do I get the hat? I saw so-and-so wearing it. And I've been meaning to like put it up on a store where people could buy it and stuff. But all of the, um, for a lot of the designs, I worked with a graphic artist friend and we used Trello because it was great. like an yeah. easy way to like upload images and, you know, to get feedback and stuff. So I think Trello is great too. And there are so many cool, there um, are cool apps out there for organization. Um, Trello and Asana, I think are, are pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I haven't used Asana, but I've heard of a couple of individuals that have been using it. So it's kind of on my list of girl, let's check this I, out and navigate. Or I was so, I was so resistant. I literally, I, I was telling one of my friends, oh, I'm getting so stressed out. I think during the launch, I developed like, I got like hives one day and like, oh, I had no. like, I had like an <laughs> eye twitch. I had an eye twitch and I was telling my friend, I'm so stressed out and there's so much to do. And I remember she said, I was like, I can't keep everything straight. And I'm usually so organized. And she said, why don't you try Asana? And I was like, no. I don't have time. I don't have the time or the energy to learn anything new right now. Like that's going to stress me out just having to learn a new app. And she kind of like talk, you know, calms me down. Like, (laughs) no, I promise like you can figure this out. You're a lawyer. I promise you'll figure this (laughs) app out in like a minute. It's not complicated. And she was so right because it really, uh, you should try it. It's so good. I will have to try that. Definitely. So is there, I know that our time has gone so fast, so we're going to have to do a follow-up uh, <laughs> and do something on a Facebook Live or an Instagram Live or maybe a second episode whenever we go to the podcast. Yes. Um, but with the next couple of minutes, is there anything that sure. you would like to share with creatives? So I'm going to yes. turn it over to you. 
Yeah. So a couple of things. Okay. So if you, of course, I would love the support if you like thrillers. Mm. So Ski Weekend is my debut young adult survival thriller. Um, we kind of pitched it as the Breakfast Club meets Alive. It's six teenagers from all different backgrounds, walks of life, religions, ethnicity, um, trapped in a a car on the way to a ski trip. And it's like kind of eerie how right now it's really mimicking real life because we, you know, following the news, I'm over in Tahoe and we've had, and you know, the last week people got snowed in and stuff. So I think um, it's done really well. People are, have great reviews. Um, I definitely encourage you to pick it up if you like fiction. Um, and then if you do pick it up, please find me on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is RectalCross, R-E-K-T-O-K-R-O-S-S. I love to connect with other creatives. You can, you know, find me on there, slide into my DMs. If you have, you know, an intellectual property question, that's what I did as a lawyer. If you have a question about, um, you know, how do you get into writing? If you're, you know, trying to figure out transition, just find me on Instagram. I love connecting. I love building community. I've got a Facebook group as well for readers. We read a different book every month from a different genre. So find me. I will get you into the book club as well. And then one tip. I talk about this a lot. So in my Instagram, I really love to share, you know, writing tips and behind the scenes, but I love to talk about passion and, you know, journey and sticking with things. Cause that's really been such a huge part of my own story. And so, like you said, you know, one piece of advice I would give to anyone who is looking to transition, uh, you know, into creative life, um, especially writers, cause that's what I am, is that no one is going to believe in you as much as you will. And so really, I think as a creative, your North Star is yourself. And you have to really understand and figure out how to kind of put yourself in a bubble and protect yourself because there are going to be so many voices coming from mm -hmm. every direction you can imagine. It's going to tell you you're not good enough. You can't do it. Why you? No one else makes it. Why are you going to make it? Yeah. that are going to try and take you off track so many times, you have to really understand how to look inward, be passionate about yourself, be your number one biggest cheerleader and fan because no one else is going to do that for you. It yeah. has to be you. Yeah. So thank you so much. I think that is absolutely so true. And I want to thank everyone for joining Counterbalance Conversation. And um Please follow me on uh, Facebook or Instagram at Counterbalance Coach or come to my website at counterbalancecoach.com and I hope to see you soon uh, on one of those one of those apps or one of those um, one of those areas. And I hope you continue to follow Counterbalance Conversation outside of Voice America Radio. Thank you all for your support. Thank you for listening to Counterbalance Conversations. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strasser, for another inspiring show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next program, be well, be inspired, be the counterbalance.